Welcome to Growth Island, your go-to podcast on how to be the best version of yourself. Now, let's join your host, Mess Freeze, as he interviews high performers and experts in nutrition, meditation, exercise, relationships, business, general health, and life's bigger mysteries. Thanks for tuning in today. I got a really cool expert in today. She left one of the coolest and most respective companies in Denmark. She has a PhD in pharmacology. She was a senior scientist and director in Novo Nordis that works with diabetes. And anyone that's been in Denmark knows that that's one of the coolest places to be. She knows a ton about diabetes and health. She has the academic background and now she shares her knowledge at different speeches and working with people. She also works as a senior scientist at the Copenhagen University Hospital. And she's an author as well. She wrote the book, The Truth About Sugar, something a lot of us are waking up to right now to figure out and a lot of people are talking about. And she also wrote a super relevant book that you should get your hands on called The Way Out of Diabetes Too. So I am super proud and happy to have Anita Sands with me here today. Anita, welcome so much. Thank you very much, guys. And Anita, so just what happened? Like, how do you leave such an awesome job to go out and be on your own suddenly? Yeah. Yeah, sometimes I I ask myself that question as well, because no is a great, very great place to work. And I've had so many great years there with the best job you could have there in research. But I had been climbing a little too high on the management. Little? Yeah. I've been climbing up a little too close to strategic and political parts of the company. And I figured that I'm much more a scientist in my heart. And then I decided that I should either go and work with much more science again and much less management and leadership development. And that was because you went from a senior scientist also to a director in Norway quite high up. Right. And then I decided that I should either leave my position and be a scientist again, or I should do something else that I've been thinking a lot about, which is to use my fascination about the biology in us to actually try to motivate the population to get that fascination of what the body can really do, how many different buttons there is to press in health Maintenance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we use uh, we often use the word prevention of disease. Yeah. I like to think of maintenance of health. Yeah. Because it's much more fascinating. That's a good way of looking at it. I actually haven't heard that before. It's so much about prevention, but it, it's true. It's maintenance. Yeah. Yeah. Some of us make decisions and take important steps when we are afraid of something. And in that situation, I think it's good to be afraid of disease and to prevent disease. But some of us are not afraid, I think you're not afraid, mm-hmm. Mass, to take um, to meet the world and think of the positive goals. And for those of us that think that way, I think it's much better to think in maintaining uh, your health. Mm-hmm. That's a good way of looking at it. And then you had a lot of knowledge about what to do about diabetes. You saw that there was a Nor was doing a good product, it was helping a lot of people. But you also saw there was more that could be done. Yes. 
I think Novo is uh, one of the most important medical companies in the world producing fantastic medications and they do a difference and uh, Novo has done a big difference for for 100 years mm. uh, almost and I'm proud of being a little part of, of that but there's something that is breaking my heart and that is to see the development in the amount of people that develop diabetes and other diseases and needs to go on medication and gets a lot of, um, yeah, end up in situations where you feel you don't have energy. That is interfering a lot with your mood and your mental health. You don't have a lot of energy. You feel then hungry because you think that you get energy from getting some calories for your body. But when you eat, your body don't know how to store the energy mainly the sugar now. And that means that the sugar circulates out in your body instead of moving into your muscles and into the cells that need the energy to make you feel good. Mm -hmm. So it, it ends up in the blood where it has the potential of actually maintaining lots of reactions that we don't want. Yeah. And these reactions are very much involved in uh, regulating our immune system. So that's why we have not only diabetes, but a lot of different conditions where the blood glucose and the inflammatory pathways actually maintains each other's bad situation. Mm. Yeah. And that's part of the truth about sugar. Yes. The part of the truth about sugar is that... That's a catchy title. Yeah, it is. That was actually uh, and it's been not my by. idea, <laughs> to be honest. It's I would, a good title. Uh, it, it is. It is a, a good title. And a lot title. of people have read your book. So when I talk to people around uh, Denmark and my network that I was going to talk to, you like, ah, the truth about sugar. Yeah, I heard about that book. That's a great book. So it yeah, has made you. a big difference. Thank you. Yeah, it has made a big difference. And, and what this book actually tells you is how dependent some people can actually eat lots of sugar never gets any problems and other people are in another situation where they can hardly look at a piece of bread before it kind of takes over their appetite regulation bad sleep they get um, increased body fat and lots of different conditions And it's, it's really because we have the wrong set point. We have the right set point. Calories are important. I'm not going to disagree on that. But what is even more important for us as we get older and older is the body's ability to remove excess sugar from your circulation. Mm. And getting a thorough understanding of that makes life so much easier because it actually accepts the fact that you can probably eat more sugar than I can but actually just by the fact that you are much younger hmm. so our age interferes with our ability to remove excess sugar from the blood yeah. of course so does our genes also when you eat Of course, what you eat, how refined your food is. Yeah, so what about 
fruit sugar versus refined sugar or like the yeah. white sugar. Okay, yeah. So fruit sugar in fruits you still have plant cells and the sugar is inside the plant cells. When we destroy the plant cells, remove the fibers, the proteins and everything else from the fruit, you end up having the sugar left. Mm. So when you eat sugar wrapped in fruit cells, you still get a lot of sugar. But what happens is that the fruit cells, they work their way down your gut. And the more they work, the, the further they go, mm-hmm. <laughs> the more you kind of destroy the fibers that are surrounding your fruit cells. Mm. And that that makes sense because when the fruit cells travel down your gut, what you want is to get the sugar slowly released. And what you also want is that you want the food structure to stimulate your gut microbiota and your own gut hormones. And when you uh, when you understand the potentials of stimulating your gut hormones and your microbiota in the good way, you see the world in a completely different and much easier way and you get this what I call a biological logic. Yeah. <laughs> And it makes you the boss in your health <laughs> university. Uh, we want to be the boss of our own health. We do. We do. Now you said sugar and and fruit. Yeah. But I would like to actually extend that a little further. Mm-hmm. And that is when you eat vegetables. So uh, there's some types of vegetables that have a very dense cell wall of fiber. And that is coal, and that is cauliflower, broccoli. They have a very dense fiber wall against each of the plant cells. Does that make sense? And what does a fiber wall mean? Yeah. So people talk about fibers are super important and it's super important for your microbiome. Yes. And it makes a huge difference whether you eat refined fibers or whether you get the fibers from your unprocessed vegetables. Yeah. And what could be an example of refined fibers? Refined fibers is actually the leftovers when you produce juice. Yeah. Then it's, for example, apple from apple. But there's also fibers produced when we isolate sugar from uh, sugar canes or... Mm -hmm. So it's often the white sugar. Yes. That's refined fiber. But there's no fiber in sugar, right? Absolutely. Like absolutely. the white sugar at least. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. But what you do when you refine is that you take away the fiber yeah. that is usually actually wrapping the other contents of a plant cell. A plant cell, every plant cell, they contain carbohydrates, proteins, fats, mm. and lots of other little molecules. Some of them are vitamins and some of them, them are other taste uh, providers and, and stuff like that. In each, you have millions of little plant cells. When you take a spoon of broccoli, for example, mm. there's millions of little plant cells. 
And when these cells are intact, it's like putting you in a car and asking you to drive down the highway. As long as you're in the car, you cannot jump out. (laughs) And if you don't jump out, if you are a sugar molecule in a car (laughs) and you stay in the car, you don't jump in the bloodstream of the person. And I think that's something that's super relevant that I heard a lot. Mm-hmm. Is that what goes into the bloodstream. Yeah. And that we have way too many things that goes into the bloodstream that should be carried on, as you say, in the car, further mm-hmm. down to the end destination. Exactly. So that's the problem we have with refined sugar. Exactly. Is that it's leaving the highway yes. and causing troubles yes. instead of going directly to its destination. You're absolutely right. Yeah. And that makes two problems. Yeah. One of the problems is that you have it in the bloodstream very fast. That's one problem. The other problem is that the sugar and the other things that are in the plant cell, they don't get to do the wonderful job down in your guts or further down the highway. They don't feed the microbiota. They don't stimulate your, your gut hormones and your your immune system that way. So you lose a lot of good things, but you gain a lot of bad things. Yeah. So it makes a whole very, very big difference whether you eat the molecules or the molecules in the right structure. Yeah. So we want to make sure that we keep the car rolling all the way down to the end destination where it comes with all the good stuff instead of uh, leaving. That makes sense. Another thing about sugar, it's very addictive especially refined sugar. Some people say it's more addictive than cocaine. Yeah, I've heard that. I don't know if it's true, but that's what people feel. I don't know the scientific approach to that, really, but that's how people feel. Lots Mm. of people really feel that they need sugar, they need sugar, they need sugar. And the funny thing about when you start avoiding sugar and eating what I think is biological correct, Mm. (laughs) then what actually happens when you take a period where you don't get the refined uh, sugar or the types of food with high density of carbohydrates, then you actually lose the feeling of addiction because you feel so much more satisfied during the day. You don't feel hungry. You don't feel being down. You don't feel like, yeah, well, now I need to snack. Mm. So um, what you do when you get the sugar the right way, then what you do is that as soon as it enters the bloodstream, you store it right away. Nothing, there's no long periods of excess sugar in your blood. You store it right away. And as soon as the excess is away from your blood, your body actually feels good Mm. and performs well. (laughs) And then when you need more, if you get on your bicycle, leaving for home, the sugar reappears in the bloodstream a little bit but never too much it reappears in your bloodstream and from there it gives all your cells the energy that they need to perform so it's that's actually what i call sugars abc Mm. because sugars abc it sounds very easy and it is if you learn it yeah it's important for you to understand that sugars a is about sugars absorption makes a Big deal of a difference whether it's absorbed in the upper part of the gut or in the lower part of the gut. So that's the A. And the B (laughs) means blood sugar. So that's when the sugar is in the blood. Mm -hmm. And the C 
is cell storage. So that's when the sugar appears in the blood. What you really want is for it to go into your muscle and liver cell and wait there <laughs> until you need it. Yeah. When you need it, it's released again. Yeah. So we have to think of sugar like the way we think of fueling our car. We fuel it and then we drive. And then when the tank is empty or nearly empty, we can fuel again. But it's a period between the two fuels that you actually perform the best. The car's not performing when it's standing still at the gas station. No. It's performing when you are out driving, right? That's the way we want to think about of our body. Yeah. And then what about diabetes too? Mm-hmm. Getting out of that. Yes. So I've follow a lot of doctors and so on on functional health, functional medicine. It has a lot of different names mm-hmm. that are saying like it's very doable to get out of diabetes too if mm-hmm. you change your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. What can people do? Yes. So my recommendation is first of all to get your to really get the sugars ABC into your backbone because it's that way to think that makes a big difference because you should think about what what do I need to do what do I like to do and then you should you should really focus on that how do I spoil my body with all the best things yeah and then you figure out how to make that taste as wonderful as it as it really gets there and then we so should not learning learning about what vegetables and so on what food are giving you the right fuel yes it's the first part yes which foods are giving you the very right fuels and then when is it best for me to eat and then what else can i do to improve my body's ability to remove excess sugar from the blood because that's really the major thing here if you have type 2 diabetes your body isn't removing excess sugar from the blood fast enough and that causes a lot of uh, secondary problems short term and long term but you can i think there's no doubt at all how you can actually teach your body again how to store that excess sugar some of us cannot some of us have genetic backgrounds yeah. that that makes this impossible but most of us if we have the resources the personal resources and the right environment where it's socially acceptable and if you live in a part of the world where you can actually buy lots of good vegetables like we are lucky enough to be able to here in Denmark if you get the knowledge and the ability then you're lucky because even then it's sometimes difficult because we have lots of instincts even working against us But the first thing is to get the right knowledge. The next thing is to start practicing, believing in yourself, believing that you can actually make the decisions. It is you that actually decides where you want to go, how health ambitious do you want to be? And then I think it's important to make your own personal strategy on how you want to um, travel the environment of foods. Mm-hmm. So these are the three things. Get the knowledge. So if we start with the knowledge, there's so much knowledge about what to eat out there. Yes. 
Most people say it's a jungle. Yes. And there's a lot of food companies sponsoring a ton of research. Like I read that Coca-Cola was sponsoring a lot of research and if something came out about sugar being wrong, there was in the contract that they could get it like not published or at least that part removed from the publications. That's now illegal in the US, but that's how it used to be. So, and then there's so many ways to structure studies as well. How do you navigate that to figure out what's good or not? It's so easy. It's so easy to navigate that. If you read my book, I try to take you through how to actually understand the declaration on all uh, foods in, that are wrapped in plastic, for example. And there is a clear navigation on how you see what is added sugar, what is the sugar that are already in unrefined food. If you think of it, it's easy for you to actually judge what is refined food and what is not refined foods. When I buy foods that are refined or processed, there is two things that you have to look into. And one of them is added sugar or added starch, like flour, these kind of things. And sugar and flour has many different names. But if you use your eyes, look at the at the food, <laughs> is this processed or not? I think the chance that you guess right is very, very high. Yeah. And if you don't, you turn it around and you have a look. So as long as we're not eating processed food, mm-hmm. then we're pretty good. Yes. Is that the... Lots of vegetables. Yeah. At least half your plate with vegetables. I prefer to be, if you want to leave diabetes, I prefer it to be three quarters vegetables and one quarter there should be protein and fat sources like eggs and meats. And if you're vegetarian, then it's lentils and different beans, beans dried beans and these kind of things. Eggs, but it's also yogurts, of course, without added sugar. Yeah. <laughs> the natural yogurts and these kind of things, cheeses, butter, oils, nuts, seeds, but no corn. And also in the beginning of when you try to travel out of diabetes, don't add potatoes. In my book, I put foods out in four different groups, dependent on the amount of carbohydrates and the refinement and the degree of refinement. So that makes four different, the best kind of food, are the unrefined with the low amount of carbohydrates. And if you stay there, for a few weeks, your blood glucose will uh, normalize. Your insulin sensitivity will normalize. Really, it really will. Yeah. And then when your insulin sensitivity or your ability to remove excess sugar from, from the blood is kind of reinstalled, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of a reboot here. When that has happened, you can start adding Foods like potatoes and a little bit of whole grains back in your meals. Yeah. So that's about what is in the meals. Another yeah. thing is when do we eat? And I recommend, I recommend that you eat three solid meals each day. Three and only three. And that is because you actually want to fuel your car. Use from the storage or from the tank, and then refuel. And then 
putting a day together like this for a period of time will really improve your body's ability to remove excess sugar from the blood. And in the same time, you don't get excess sugar because the foods you eat, they don't deliver excess sugar. You don't have a chance to have a food-induced increased blood glucose when you eat only unrefined foods with low carbohydrate content. So summing up, really making sure to look at the food, make sure it's unrefined. Yes. Look to see if it looks like it's, something has been done with it. Turn around, see if there's sugar in it or flour or a lot of E numbers. That's also a, a giveaway. Exactly. Stay away from that. Eat real food. Yes. As most health experts say, eat real food. I heard yes. an advice that was like, if your grandma wouldn't be able to recognize this as food, don't eat it. That's a very, very good way to say it, Mess. I'll use that. Can I use that? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so uh, I've tried to use that when I, when I look at stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's so, so many things that look so smartly packaged and so on mm-hmm. that... And it says healthy on and no added sugar and so on. Yes. But kind of staying away from that can be kind of the safe safe way. And then you can start to learn more about are these small packets, bars and so on, are some of them actually good or not. But if you have diabetes too or another health condition, it's definitely good to stay away from them to start with. Exactly. Very much it is. And then when you get your ability to remove excess sugar back, then you start to make your strategy then you stop doing this very rigid three meals with unrefined food structure. And then you start thinking, well, sometimes I don't want to eat only for my health. Yeah. Today I want a piece of cake or, or something. And then you, then you spoil yourself with that and you enjoy it. Because the chance is that if you've taken a while where you have worked on your ability to remove excess sugar, then now suddenly you can actually do it every once in a while and enjoy it. Yeah. But what people tell me is that when they do that, now suddenly it's kind of like their instincts tell them, well, this is the amount of sugar I can take. But I can't explain you that in a scientific way, but that's really what people tell me. When I've done this, it is like a... <laughs> you can control it. Rebooting. Yeah. <laughs> yes, because suddenly your body tells you, you've got enough. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I've seen some cases, I'm not sure whether it's Mike Hyman or some of the others, where they changed people's diet. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if they also looked at sleep and some exercise. And I think it was something like two or three weeks, mm-hmm. they could almost get people off insulin. Yes. So how does that, that work? So it's very important for me to say here that getting off insulin can sometimes be managed for type 2 diabetics. There is a big difference whether you have type 2 diabetes or type 1 diabetes and in type 2 diabetes usually the biggest problem you have but not always but usually the biggest problem you have is that your body have lost the ability to listen to insulin's instructions so insulin is released when our blood glucose start to increase then the insulin is, is released And then if we have high blood glucose most of the day, because we eat small carbohydrate-rich meals during the day, then we have insulin in the blood most of the day. And when we have insulin in the blood most of the day, insulin is telling us to to grow. grow. So insulin is, is, we will uh, increase in size 
and we will not have a good balance between storing what we just ate and getting it out mm. back from the storage. But when we now suddenly start to eat in a way where it's impossible to get increased blood glucose, then your own natural insulin will also decrease and now a good balance will reappear. Yeah. In type 1 diabetes, it's completely different because in type 1 diabetes, you are unable to produce your own insulin. So there you have to inject it. And even though you don't eat sugar and bread and all the kind of things that gives you an increase in blood glucose, you do need to have a basic level of insulin. And type 1 diabetics don't get that unless they inject it. So there is a big, big, big difference. And that's also what I heard, and I think Mark Hyman as well and the others are saying, it's really important, there's a difference between type 1 diabetes and type 2. Type 2 diabetes, you can get off insulin totally if you do it correct, and you do it in a safe manner. So this is not a recommendation to listeners to just start eating and getting off insulin. It needs to be done in a controlled manner and you control your measurements and so on. Absolutely. Where type 1 diabetes, you might have the chance of decreasing your amount of insulin, but you're not going to get totally off it because, as you just said, you need help with producing it. Exactly, Mass. And also, there's one thing that I would like to add. Mm. It is not every type 2 diabetic person, unfortunately, that can get off insulin completely. There is situations in many people where they are unable to actually regain the ability to store excess glucose. So um, we should use this as a health potential. Yeah. We should never use this knowledge to blame people for not getting out of their diabetes. That's very important for me because I think there's lots of people that have diabetes and no matter what they do, nothing really, they don't meet the big game-changing thing and then they decide, well, then I would rather eat like the normal part of the population. Mm. And I think that's a good decision. Yeah. Because if you, if you don't really get the benefit out that you really want, I think that's absolutely fine. So never do the blame game. We do that a lot. Sometimes here in Denmark, we blame each other things. We should never do that. But we should not stop each other from, from not learning about the possibilities you might have. If you're lucky and determined... And if you have the support in your family and everywhere, then you can be lucky yeah. and get out of it. Yeah. But these, and I totally agree, and it's also a subject that I'm getting more into, is the psychological stress of thinking about being healthy. Something I found mm-hmm. that is, is really big for people sometimes, the psychological stress about knowing about something is not good for you. It can almost be worse than, than the effect if you didn't know it. So it's super important to be aware of. But these advice that you're saying are also relevant for normal, so to say, healthy people or a way to maintain, as you said, instead of prevention, mm. keep following those guidelines to, to maintain your body so you don't get an autoimmune disease or something else. It's not only about diabetes, if I understood you correct. You're absolutely true. You're absolutely true. So elevated blood glucose long term can actually accelerate many different inflammatory reactions in your body. So there's so many potentials, not only for people with diabetes, but for many people with different types of, of what we call lifestyle disease. 
So get out there and try it and look into it. See if it's worth it. That's for free and I promise you that the kind of food you buy is much cheaper. It tastes much better. You just need to learn it. I sometimes look at myself having focused on getting that food done fast so you can get to the table and enjoy your family. But what is more fun when you think of it actually? To be in the kitchen and make food together with your family. Make it something you do together. I actually, I know it's, it's kind of a crazy to say things like that, but I actually mean it even though I didn't always do it. Yeah, but I think a lot of people are actually talking about how it's a problem for us, not only in, in health or like physical health, that it's also something mental health-wise. That yes. food used to be something we did together and it used to be a bit more of a community part. Yeah. And that's where we gathered and, and we, were, we heard about each other's day. Where instead today we eat separately and we don't get the joy and pleasure from food and the social connections in the same way. So I think it's definitely spot on something like, yeah, something to focus on. Yes. Not that I'm that good at it myself either, but it's something that I'm trying to gather friends so that we cook together. Yeah. I'm also lucky that I now have some friends that know a lot about cooking, both healthy and tasty. So that's, that's something that helps. Where would you recommend to go if you want to learn about cooking healthy food. So someone that's not lucky to have a guy like Thomas Sylvest, who is doing a lot of stuff that I have on the podcast later, or Martin Kramer that was on, that can tell them like... I think there are so many ways to go today. And to be honest, I'm not very much into the international producers of recipes. I think you are actually very well off when you think about the unrefined food, the whole food, the lots of lots of vegetables, no f- corns, flowers, and no sugar, then you can actually go and look for these recipes that doesn't add these kind of things and think of the, the way to put your plate together. Yeah. So if you don't have these good friends that can help you with how to cook, any recommendations on, on how to figure out what food to cook and good recipes? Yes. Uh, Use any recipe with the right ingredients that are not refined. In your country, I'm sure you have your own. You don't have to think in raw foods. You don't have to think in uh, any different kind of uh, food trend. But think of using these unrefined, super delicious vegetables and decide uh, to get some a little but some good meat when you eat meat instead of having a big steak have a smaller steak that comes from an animal that's had an okay life grass <laughs> fit is what a lot of people say yeah free farming and, uh, and not been in a small cage for example you could be more uh, environmentally responsible mm. by doing that as well and it also solves the problem where people are like well it's so expensive to buy organic meat well you don't need as much meat yes so if you just buy less meat it'll cost the same yes it is much better for your health as well and it tastes much better as well yeah so in denmark we had a michelin granted cook called thomas Rode. i'm very impressed about what he's done to our country because he's not a scientist He used to be this brilliant cook 
working in one of the famous restaurants downtown Copenhagen. And suddenly he changed his life. He kind of understood what good food could do to him. And he experienced that on his own body. And he's been a, a celebrity in Denmark because he did that. And today everybody thinks that, well, Thomas Rode is only eating meat. He's not. He's making fantastic food. He makes meat in a fantastic way. And he's making fantastic recipes also on the vegetables. So he was actually one of the people in Denmark that introduced the unrefined food and he made a big deal out of it. And I think he's... Um, you also have the company now called Real Food, Rigtimad, yes. DK, where you can kind of, it's been selected out so you, you eat real food, Yes. As, as we talked about earlier. Yeah. And we, we also have in Denmark Jane Färber, who has done low-carb, high-fat. She's done some good, very good recipes, easy for, for many people to make and with natural ingredients. She's done great as well. It's not all her recipes that are unrefined, but they are for sure low-carb. And you can easily now, you can distinguish between refined and, and unrefined. One thing we need to add to this wonderful talk mess is that another thing you need to understand, the most important thing, in addition to the food that you can do to restore your ability to remove excess sugar from the blood, is actually using your muscles every day. You don't have to go and do an Ironman. You don't have to do uh, very extreme things, but avoid inactivity. Avoid the inactivity. The more you, you use your muscles, the better you are at removing excess glucose from your blood. It's extremely important. So what I recommend you to do, if you want to try to follow my advice, is that when you used to have snacks between meals, go and do some jumping instead. Mm. Take the stairs up and down, get your pulse up. I call it pulse snacks. Yeah. <laughs> do this snack by pulsing. You'll experience very fast. You'll experience that it gives you so much more sustainable energy for that day. And it gives you energy in a way where you are not hungry half an hour later. It gives you sustainable energy. And the reason for this is that when you start exercising, signals goes to your brain, from your brain down to your liver. Your liver is told to produce sugar. And that's how you actually increase your fat burning by doing this instead of snacking. All right, so that makes sense. I've actually heard that also like doing these short amounts of exercise during the day has a much bigger effect than doing a full hour at the end of the day. So it could be something like 10 squats yes. or just a two minute walk and so on. Everything counts, everything counts, but it's also good during the day to have this half hour exercise. It really is. But the small parts are more important than we think. Than we think. Yeah. So there's no excuse, even if you're working at an office. I try to use the, I think it's Pomodoro, where you work for 25 minutes or so. Then you have five minutes, or it can just be like a minute where you get up and move your body a little bit. Hmm. Sleep as well. What's the role in uh, diabetes and sleep? Everything hmm. is the same. I would like to recommend you to sleep from seven to nine hours a day and also um, 
Also to not have any food just before you go to bed. Stop eating at your last main course, which is a, a dinner. That's that's the recommendation yeah. there. I've and actually done that as well with my sleep. So I do sleep tracking with the Oura Ring and the Fitbit. And one of the advice that I got as well, I heard several sleep researchers say is stop eating your last meal, ideally actually at sunset. That's hard in Denmark in the winter time. Yes, but, uh, <laughs> but you can. Yeah, but that helps. That's a whole other episode that I'll do on fasting as well. As more research is showing, that can be good. But it was good to hear as well, like if you're getting out of insulin resistance, don't do fasting until your system is, is better. That's how I hear it. Or would you still do fasting as a good way? That depends. Yeah. I wouldn't do many. No, I would rather do it this way. Yeah. There is absolutely no doubt that fasting can have a very, very positive effect. But don't fast and then eat junk tomorrow. No. That's really not a good choice. I think it's much better to, no matter what you do, eat the good food. Yeah. No matter what. And fasting doesn't have to be several days. It can just be 16 hours. Yes. That's just an important yes. thing to get out. Yes. Your two books, are they in Danish and English, or what's the process of that? The Truth About Sugar, Sandheden om Sukker, is in English. Out of Diabetes 2 hasn't been translated into English yet. I would like it to be. Just these days, as we talk, Mass, we are probably going to change the recommendation, the public recommendations here in Denmark now on, on foods. There's a huge discussion starting out last week. And the book has been cited there many times because this is what we want to do. This is what we want to recommend people to try to get back out as soon as you get your diagnosis. And this book has been so useful for so many people. But the principles described in The Truth About Sugar is exactly the same. It's only that out of diabetes too, there's a lot of extra information about diabetes and that is very good information but how to do and the understanding about insulin resistance and sugars ABC those are very well described in sugars ABC so I recommend that yeah great and where else can people find you or follow you so in Denmark I have a website www.anettesams.dk I'll link to that as well in the show notes. That is super. That is only in Danish. And I am working right now on getting a, an English site as well. And that is www.anettesames.com. Yeah. And it is not open now. I'm expecting it to be open by the release of this program or shortly thereafter. Great. So anettesams.dk or anettesams.com is going to be up there later. Yeah, absolutely, and I'm on Facebook as well, uh, yeah. sharing good stuff, uh, good scientific stuff. I, I think, in my belief, your knowledge, your basic knowledge, your basic foundation of knowledge and your belief in, in yourself is a, a very important foundation for being able to, to change things. So good luck. Mm-hmm. So if we end up to find advice, would that be believe in yourself and get that basic knowledge? Believe in yourself, get that basic knowledge, start spoiling yourself with the right foods and start feeding your microbiota. Sounds good. Anette, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, miss. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Island. Be sure to subscribe for more episodes on how to be the best version of yourself. And if you found this show helpful, then please leave us a review so more people will learn about the podcast or share with a friend who can benefit from it too. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.